Did you know that your entire conventional retirement plan can be wiped out in just one event? That's what happened to today's guests when just one event wiped out 30 plus years of work and savings and investments for him. So he was forced to discover alternative investments and was able to recapture those 30 plus years of returns in just a few short years. Today's guest, Chris Odegaard, is a best-selling author in alternative investment spaces, and he's going to break down the actual reasons why alternative investments beat conventional investments in every single category but one. We'll hear from Chris after our brief intro. This is Building Passive Income and Wealth Through Real Estate, where we guide you through the relentless pursuit of financial independence. I'm your host, Justin Moy. Managing Partner at Perpetual Wealth Capital, a multifamily real estate investing firm that lets everyday people invest passively in income-producing apartment buildings. Hey, investors. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Building Passive Income and Wealth Through Real Estate. Today, I'm really, really excited about our guest, Chris Odegaard. Now, Chris is an alternative investment blogger and educator and author of Get Off Your Ass and Manage Your Money, Why You Need Alternative Investments. Through his blog at theprolificinvestor.net and book, Chris shows investors why alternative investments are vastly superior than the stock market and then 401ks. Chris, we're really excited to have you on the show. Thanks for coming on. Oh, pleasure to be here. Thanks, Justin. And I'll try to match that enthusiasm (laughs) through the rest of the podcast. Hey, we're talking alternative investments. So people in this niche like us, we get excited about a few things and this is one of them. But tell us about you, what you do and why you do it. Well, I was a conventional investor for many years. I was on what I called the 401k highway to mediocrity and putting your money through your employer sponsored 401k and all that stuff. And I would say that plan was working about as well as it does for anybody else. You know, maybe around 65, I was going to be able to retire. And then I had something happen in my mid 40s. I experienced a huge illiquidity event where I lost 55% of all my assets. And in my case, that happened to be a divorce, but people have experienced that for all kinds of reasons. And all of a sudden, the mediocre path got even more mediocre. And you know, when that happens in your mid 40s, it was either work forever or find a different way. And right around that time, kind of serendipitously, a friend, something like that, serendipitously, a friend of mine said, hey, Chris, you got to read this book. You got to read this book. So I went out and bought this book and it promptly sat on my nightstand for longer than I care to admit. But one day I was flying somewhere for business. I thought I'm going to read this book. And of course, the book was Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I read that book and that just launched me off into the world of alternatives, primarily real estate. And nine years later, I fired the man and now I never have to work again if I don't want to. So that nine short years, I consider that kind of nine short years. I had made up that 55% loss, multiplied it many times over. And that would have not been possible had I stayed on that 401k stock bond mutual fund path. Yeah, that's so unfortunately common for people that get into this you know, I don't know you call it a game or industry, whatever the case may be of alternative investments is something happens and it just maybe it totally or partially wipes out a ton of work. Mm-hmm. And the thing about that too, is what somebody had once told me that was really impactful was you're not really an investor because you put money in a 401k because you can't really do that again. If something like what happens to you happens, okay, you can't go recreate that. You need another 40 years. And you need to put those in. So, you know, a lot of companies now have really robust 401ks. They have employer matching, which is really, really an awesome incentive to contribute to those. You know, in your experience, 
where does that kind of fit in? Because with some of those, like I know employee matching is a huge one for a lot of people. Right. You know, if employees match 401k contributions, does that change how you feel about that method? Or do you advise to do some of it? Or what's your opinion there? So I've changed my tune a little bit. I think I say in my book that, you know, if I knew way back in my 20s what I know today, that I would have never put a dime in a traditional pre-tax 401k. And I stand by that mostly. However, you know, if you're putting $100 in your IRA and your employer is going to give you 50, there's a case it could be made to participate in that just to get the match. But the big selling points of the 401k is the match, number one. And it's the tax benefit that you get. You don't pay taxes on that money when you put it in. But when you think about it, there's another thing, and I've done a blog about this. I've compared an average 401k investment in the mutual funds versus a single family rental. And so if we made these kind of terms generic, so the company match, that's getting the benefit of other people's money. So with the company match, you get it one time when you make the contribution. If you have a single family rental, you get it every month for 30 years in the form of somebody paying off the loan. So it's not just a one-time thing. You make the investment in real estate and you get this match forever. So that's one characteristic. The other characteristic is the tax. So you make your investment through the 401k and you don't have to pay taxes on that money one time. You make an investment in a single family rental and you get something called depreciation for the next 26 and a half years. So when you compare the 401k with a match to the same amount of money with real estate, real estate wins all the time. Plus, if you could do this, you said, okay, I'm going to put $100,000 in this first year in my 401k, you'd be able to put $30,000 down and get a 70% loan. So I will concede the point of getting the match. But beyond that, I don't really see any point. And then people might go toward Roths. But your last guest that you had on, there's something even more powerful than a Roth, and it's an overfunded cash value life insurance policy. Did that answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that's something that was so important too, because my parents had always said that, hey, you know, you go get a job and you find an employer that'll match your 401k, and that's free money. You always take that. And that makes so much sense to me. But I love it. It's about perspective because it's, you know, what we call other people's money whether it's a bank's money or your employer's money, but what's the leverage of that? Because like you said, okay, you might get a couple hundred bucks here and there. I think most will cap out at a couple thousand a year in their matchings versus a tenant using their money to pay down Mm -hmm. your mortgage or to pay you in cash or to write off interest expenses and things like that. So I really like that perspective change. I don't think that that's something that I've really heard a lot of is you are still getting that benefit of essentially somebody else's money. And you're getting more of it. You're getting getting it all the time. And there's so many restrictions on the money when you put it in that 401k and you can only put a certain amount in. So I'm not sure at the end of the day, I haven't actually tried to do the numbers and say, well, at the end of the day with all these other negatives, is it still worth getting that match? But let's say you put $100,000 in your 401k and it sits there for 30 years and then somebody else takes $100,000 and just puts it in the Schwab account and they both invest in the same thing. What you've done by putting your money in the 401k is you've guaranteed that when you take it out, you're going to be in a higher tax bracket because it's going to come out as ordinary income. And if you're in a 24% bracket, you take out your money out of the 401k 30 years later and you take it out at 24%. The guy that put his money in the Schwab account takes it out and right now he's going to pay 15% 
long-term capital gains tax. You know, and the government rewards investors for taking risk. So long-term capital gains, you only pay 15%. Real estate, sometimes we pay little or no taxes, but when you put your money in a 401k, you risk your money. And at the end of the day, you get taxed at the highest rate. <laughs> yeah. And that's something that's so insane too, is the taxes really don't alert enough people. And that's something that I'm personally very passionate about is oh, yeah. when you consider, like you said, that Schwab account or that they're investing in the S&P 500, which historically have returned, whatever they say, 8% or 9%, something. 9.8. Like 9.8. <laughs> yeah. Hey, right on there. But when you consider the long-term capital gains, when you consider most will charge you about 1% to manage it, and then 2% inflation, that really drops that return like below five. And I have actually a case study that I did in my ebook. I'll put actually a version of that in the show notes here. But essentially, what would happen to $100,000 if you put it in the stock market versus if you put it into real estate? And it shows with real numbers of really what the stock market did over the past 10 year period. I think I did it. And I believe it was 2009 or 2019. I don't remember what it is, but I'll put that there. And you can see, I mean, the taxes and the fees and the inflation just eat you alive. And you have to really make some serious returns to make money on top of those things. Yeah, the numbers that I have is that the S&P's average over its inception is about 9.8%. But for all kinds of various reasons, studies have been done. The actual investor investing in the S&P 500 only earns 5.19%. And in today's environment, you're not even maintaining your borrowing power against the stated inflation, much less what the real inflation actually is. Yeah. And I think I got really, really close to those numbers, if not exactly the same. Mm -hmm. So I love that mentality. And yeah, like you said, Hey, this year you lost money. You only lost 1% though. So I guess that's a benefit, (laughs) but like alternative investments, it's so strange of a term to people like me who real estate, in my opinion, is the primary that's, you know, the other things are alternative, but that were alternative investments. And I was looking at your website and looks like you have a ton of experience with this. So, I mean, notes or insurance and ATMs and licensing. I think you invest in a brewery and a lot, a lot, a lot of things. So you had mentioned earlier that real estate was kind of the primary and Robert Kiyosaki tends to do that to people, make real estate the primary one. But out of all of your experience, is real estate still number one? Is there a close number two? Are there other ones that you really like? You know, Tell us about kind of your experience with alternative investments and maybe where real estate fits in or why real estate became the preferred. Yeah. And first of all, I agree with you. I begrudgingly use the alternative investment term because that's what we're called, right? And I don't know why land and real estate and all the things that are hard real assets are called alternatives, but they are. So we'll go with that. But yeah, I mean, I have done notes. I've owned private shares of small businesses. I've done single and multifamily and ATM machines, cash value life insurance. And at the end of the day, I've come down to what you do, multifamily, real estate. And any hard asset like real estate or even a piece of business equipment has some advantages that you can use leverage to buy it. It has built-in tax advantages. You can insure it. And the returns are just so much greater. And so I still come back to the multifamily space particularly multifamily, because there's no technology on the horizon that is eliminating people's need to have a place to go home and sleep at night and spend time with their family. So you could take that off the table. Could technology displace ATM machines? It could. Is it going to? I don't know. Name any type of business. Is technology going to put somebody out of business all the time, every day? But you come back to that one thing and it's just rock solid. It was rock solid through the pandemic. And now we're in a situation where 
the country is going through this turn where we're becoming more of a renter nation again, as opposed to a homeowner nation because of the cost of housing. And that's an unfortunate thing if you're a renter, but if you're on the other side of the equation, it's a good thing. And that's something that I think people need to understand is that there's money to be made in every market cycle. You just have to be able to switch and move to where the profits are going to be. So I don't know. I'm still there with multifamily. It's the safest. It's rock solid. The returns are great. Tax benefits are there. There's just nothing like it. Yeah. Speaking about you know ATMs is I was reading a couple of, I remember their countries or states actually doing Bitcoin ATMs now. Mm-hmm. That's the new hot thing for that industry. You know, I'm not entirely sure. But out of your experience and the other things, are there close seconds that you like? Are there things that you still have in your portfolio for similar reasons or maybe for other reasons just to kind of offset some of the, I don't know, if you're in risk that you're looking to offset yeah. for real estate or where do some of the other things? So I still have some ATM machines. I'm not real in a real hurry to go do any more of them just because of the way technology is changing. Even though all the stuff we see about ATM machines is that the use of cash is continuing to increase along with the PayPal's and the Venmo's and all that stuff. So cash usage is still growing, but there is a possibility that technology will take that away. So I have some, I'm not in a hurry to go get any more. I do have some self-storage. I would do some more self-storage if the right deal comes around. And like your recent guest, I think cash value life insurance should be like the foundation of every serious investor's portfolio. It's just this huge line of credit that, you know, and you're your own bank and the money comes in and goes out. You can supercharge any investment. Even if you're a conventional investor and you invest in stocks and bonds and mutual funds, you can't get leverage to do that. But if you have a cash value life insurance, you can use that leverage and be your own bank in that way. So it'll just multiply your ROIs no matter what you're investing in. Yeah. And that episode is with uh, Debbie Debbie Liu. I don't know when this episode will publish, but yeah, her episode was released yesterday and we're just recording Mm -hmm. the day after, but really great idea. And that's something that is you know, a little bit higher level, I would say, you know, it takes a little bit more intimate knowledge of investing to understand those things, but there are ways that you can totally leverage things that are already at your disposal and, you know, go into conventional or unconventional investments. So, you know, being your own bank, being one of those things, I really like it. So I I kind of a more of an opinion question for you, but I would love to get your input. And we talked about a little bit before, you know, real estate being an alternative investment, really anything outside of the stock market of being an alternative investment. Do you see that terminology, I guess, changing in the near future, where now, you know, real estate is more conventional or people, I guess, are getting more comfortable with it. You know, how do you see that term alternative investment? I don't think that term is going to go away anytime soon. I mean, I don't know, just you guess for my opinion. I mean, I would bet that 95% of the country is conventional investors. Why do you think that is? It's because it's pushed at us constantly. You know, the Fidelities and the Schwabs and all those people and the mutual fund companies, all those people make a lot of money off of our investment money. And matter of fact, I saw a study one time that said the investor who put up all the money and took all the risk, the fund manager actually made more money at the end of the deal than the investor did. So you know, depending Is that a real on case what, study? Yeah, I believe it was I don't I believe it was in Andy Tanner's book 401 Chaos, which is a good book to read if you want to just get the real down and dirty about how terrible these tools are. But I think it's going to take a long time for the alternative investment term to go away. Although it is becoming more popular, but you said how do you get there? I mean, we're all a product of our environment. So if you grow up in a family with a bunch of E's employees per Robert Kiyosaki's yep. cash flow quadrant, 
and you get a job and you get a 401k and all that. That's just all you know. I mean, I didn't know anybody until my 40s that did anything else. Yeah. Same with us too. I don't know many people whose parents kind of led with real estate or led with a lot of these things besides the standard, you know, get the job, do the 401k. I mean, my parents did the same thing and because that's what they knew. And they truly thought that that was the best thing. Looking back, I would never do something like that again. <laughs> you know, I've taken my money out of those more, uh, you know, standard investments, whatever you call them, uh, into alternative. And I think it kind of helps because it keeps the space, I guess, not too crowded because people hear alternative, they immediately think, oh, that's not common. I'm just not going to do it. Yeah. I guess it leaves a little more meat on the bone for everybody else <laughs> who's in this space if you want to look at the upside to it. But that's really, really interesting. So more the multifamily space, what exactly do you do in the multifamily world? I go to syndicators like yourself and that's all I do. I really love being on the limited partner side. Mm. One thing I don't think people realize about real estate, even just having a single family rental, you now have a small business. Yeah. Right. And I'm not an expert at property management and all that kind of stuff. And I can give my money to a syndicator like you, and I'm going to make more money and better returns, not even considering the time that I would have put in if I had tried to do it myself, because that's just not what I specialize in. That's not my expertise. And the traditional investor or conventional investor would be shocked when I said, you know, annual returns in the 15 to 30% range are common all day long. And the average investor in the stock market is getting 5.8. But the problem is when people hear stuff like that, and I've said this many times, it's that, oh, if it sounds too good to be true, it must be too good to be true. No, it's not too good to be true. <laughs> and if I had ran away from people who told me you could make 20% doing this or 25 or 38, I would have lost out in so much money and I'd still be working for the man and on that yeah. 401k highway to mediocrity. Yeah. And we get paid for risk as well. You know, can things go wrong? Absolutely. But things tend to, you have less of that risk when you stick into your role. Like you said, if you're not an operator and you're not a property manager and you don't know the next thing to know about markets and emerging trends, don't. You know, you don't need to know those things. And that's what keeps people out of the game so much. And that's why syndication was so great for me. And I created the podcast. I really had to educate people because that's what keeps a lot of people out of the game. I don't have enough money for a down payment on a property and I don't know anything about real estate. Well, you can invest in syndication. You don't need any of those things. You right. don't need much money as the down payment money. You don't need to run your own business. You don't need yep. to do those. So that's why I agree with you. This space is so great and it has room really for everybody in every niche and every expertise to really get involved and really be on the path to whatever financial freedom means to them. Plus, you're also getting cash returns instead of just having it stuck and locked away in the right, market, right. wherever yeah. that is, out in cyberspace that you can't get till 50 or 60 years or when you retire. So I really, really like that. So, I mean, you have a couple of things, books, blogs, who should check those out? What kind of people are you looking to connect with or you speak within those areas? So it's, it's the prolificinvestor.net. Right. And then tell us a little bit about your book as well. So the book is called Get Off Your Ass and Manage Your Money, Why You Need Alternative Investments. And it just came out in November of last year, both in paperback and ebook versions. And somebody wanted to make the move from conventional to alternative investments. This is a great place to start. You know, so 120 pages or so in, in two or three hours, you could sit and read this thing. It's got lots of color, graphs, and pictures. And some of it's my story. But I created something called the Hierarchy of Investors, which is one of the resources on the webpage. And it's kind of like a pyramid. And in the shadow of the pyramid, you have conventional investors. They're not even on the pyramid. They're in the dark where it's damp and dingy. And then you get on 
the pyramid and you start climbing. And that's where all these alternatives are. And then I compare alternatives versus conventionals across 13 different categories. And alternatives win in all but one category, and that's liquidity. And so this book kind of puts that whole thing together. And it's really meant to take somebody who's been an employee all their life and have done nothing more than put money into their 401k and introduce them to this in kind of a really, what I think is a simple and clear way. And unfortunately, the downside of just about any book like this is if people go and join their company and they get a 401k, the company will automatically enroll them in the 401k with a certain contribution, every paycheck, and actually pick the mix of mutual funds that they buy. As an alternative investor, at the end of the book, there isn't this thing that says, hey, go invest in this. It's a personal thing. It's personal finance. You have to figure out of all those alternatives, which ones match your risk tolerance and your skill set and your emotions. And nobody can tell anybody else that, but this will tell you why you're leaving so much money on the table. Yeah, I really like that. And that's one thing I think keeps a lot of the game too, is like that analysis process. You got real estate, ATMs, insurance, notes, businesses, private lending, mm-hmm. everything that you can possibly do. And so people just say, I'll oh, forget it. I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. Or I'll think about this later. And then yeah. they forget about it. But you know, it's so important to figure out what you like and then find out what your passion is. Because once you read about one of the topics and you get a little more in depth, I mean, I remember the day that I started reading about multifamily real estate, I knew my life was different from that day on. I mean, really, it was no joke. And so at some point, you're going to read about the thing or hear about the thing on podcasts or whatever the case may be. And you're just going to say, man, that sounds like a great idea. And for whatever reason, you might not even be able to explain it, but it's just going to resonate with you. And it's just going to make sense. And even that's okay. Your gut's telling you to go that way. So I love it. And I love a big fan of books, big fan of education. So we'll put some links. Where can they get the book? I'll put a link to the blog, theprolificinvestor.net in the show notes. What about the book? Is it an Amazon? Yeah, it's on Amazon. Probably the best way to find it on Amazon is just type my name, Chris Odegaard, and the book will come up. If you type in the get off your ass, manage your money, it might get there a while. But on the homepage at the prolificinvestor.net, there's a flashing star. And if you <laughs> click on that, it'll take you to the links to get you directly to the book and Amazon, as well as where you can leave a review. But I want to go back to something that you said earlier. Well, why yeah. do so many people just do the 401k thing? And bottom line is because it's so easy. It takes no effort, but the rewards you get at the end of the day are going to be proportional to the amount of effort you put in. So minimal effort in 401ks, you're going to get that 5%. And if you want to get a little bit smarter and exercise your brain a little bit with alternatives, you're going to get a whole lot more money. You're going to pay less taxes. You're going to have the option to leave the workforce earlier. Yeah. And in the end, that, you know, that's really what we're about here is breaking that cycle. Don't work for 40, 50 years for somebody else and then hope you live long enough to oh, get yeah. that hard work and then hope that inflation doesn't absolutely kill what you created along the way. You know, 40 years of inflation are really going to add up for you. Yeah. Chris, man, tons and tons of value. I really like it. Listeners, I'm going to put those links to the blog, which you can then find the book in the show notes. While you're there, if you haven't already, make sure you download our free ebook, The Definitive Guide to Building Generational Wealth and Passive Cash Flow Through Multifamily Real Estate. Chris, thank you so much for coming on the show. We really loved having you. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. 